When Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, you, you understand, right? That in New Testament theology, this is not the sanctuary. This is the sanctuary. This is your house, Lord. My life is your house. So, um, do you know the song, 110 Soldier? I won't ask for a show of hands, but if you don't, just Google it, 110 Soldier. It's kind of an old song. Well, it is an old song. It's not kind of an old song. It is an old song. Anyway, when a school closes in a small South Dakota town, it's devastating to the community. It's devastating. And we walked that journey with a community. And, and it, was, it was like this song haunted the people. The people said things. Uh, I know they regretted later. I know they did. I know they regretted them. Lifelong relationships were ruined. Some families split. It was, it was hard. It's hard. And I think why that song is on my mind is because I passed through some of that territory this last week. And and uh, memories come back and, and you start thinking. And, and for those of you who don't know the song, the song says, simply says this, go ahead and hate your neighbor. Go ahead and cheat a friend. Do it in the name of heaven, you can justify it in the end. There won't be any trumpets blowing come the judgment day, but on the bloody morning after, one tin soldier rides away. Some of you will remember the song now. Probably why, like I said, why the song bounced around in my head all week. I was in familiar territory and memories. Memories come back. But this is what I have hanging around in my head today. Here's the contrast. I thank my God every time I remember you. I, I thank my God every time I remember you. Say that with me, every time. Oh, come on. I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. From the first day until now, because of our partnership in the gospel. Convinced of this. that God will complete his work. The good work that he started in you until the day of Christ Jesus. It's right for me to feel this way. It's right for me to feel this way. For I have you in my heart.
God can testify. For whether I am in chains, in prison, confirming or defending the gospel, you, you, all of you, not, not you individual, but you, all of you, are partakers of God's grace right along with me. And God himself can testify how I long for you with the affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love would grow, that it would mature in knowledge and depth of insight. That you might be found blameless and pure filled with the fruit of righteousness on the day of Christ Jesus when he comes or when we see him in death. That's amazing, isn't it? I think I hear somebody knocking. Should we let him in? I love these words from Paul. I, I, I love that passage. That, that was three through eight, my paraphrase, you know. Nine through 11, my paraphrase. It's pretty close. Not that they were a perfect church, you know. That's not what Paul is, is praying. That's not what Paul indicates. And even through, even through the, the rest of the letter, he starts to, uh, he starts to talk and and he lets them know, you know, sometimes you're a little selfish. Sometimes you, you got a bit of an attitude about you. Sometimes, uh, sometimes you're judgmental of each other. Sometimes you, you think the, the, that one of the gifts of the Spirit is a critical spirit. You like to evaluate one another. He says, and sometimes you're just grumblers and complainers. You get caught up in legalism, right? He says, sometimes there's some division among you. In fact, there is right now. And then he, and then he calls out two people by name. How would you like that? For the rest of eternity, for the rest of the time that, that the scriptures are ever read and anybody reads the book of Philippians, how would you like your names, two names saying, tell those two to learn to get along and have your name right there and everybody knows. In perpetuity is a legal term, right? Wow. Very diverse group of people. Rich, poor, all kinds of ethnic backgrounds. Paul, Paul doesn't 
dwell on all the negative. He, he calls out some of the good things, how, how they're passionate and how they're generous and how they're eager to follow Jesus. He, he calls out the, the positive things, the good things. He had some good stuff going on. And then it slays me. At, at the end of the book, as he's, he's getting ready to draw it to a close, and he says, he says uh, this then is how you should stand firm in the hope that Jesus Christ has been raised from the dead, and he is the one. And he, and, and he writes to the people, he says, you are my joy and my crown. Oh, I really love you. You're not perfect. In fact, there's some, there's some stuff. Boom! Oh, I love you. With the love of Christ Jesus. It's the same thing Jesus prayed for in the garden. Father, give them the same love for me as you have for me. Give them that same love for one another. Paul has that love for the people. He oh, loves them. Loves them deeply. That's what verses three through six are about. Paul has high hopes. He sees. And in verse seven, he, he, he turns the tables a little bit and he says, you know, this is a community of grace. But not just a community of grace, it's a community of shared grace. We're all partakers together in the grace of, of Jesus. Paul says, when I'm doing this, you're partaking in the grace as well. When you're doing what you're doing in Philippi, I'm partaking in the grace of Jesus as well through you. Everyone has skin in the game. Everyone contributes. Everyone is a part of this. Everyone is advancing the kingdom. Everyone. Sadly. Tom Rainer recently. I, you know who Tom Rainer is? He's a, a church consultant. He, he was a, a pastor for a lot of years, and, and now he has a church consulting business, and he writes a lot. And sometimes I have to put him away because he just depresses me sometimes when he starts talking about trends and things that are happening. I have to just put him away. I, I can't read that anymore. <laughs> it's just, that just makes me sad. I don't want to. It's depressing. <laughs> Recently, he posted uh, a, a top 10 or 15 list of of weird comments that pastors get. And he posts a lot of things that he's heard from members of the congregation over, over time. And one of, one of the strangest ones that, that keeps coming back on any of those lists that he says, he's, he says people tell him this all the time and have said this to him and they just say things like, you know, I'm just not getting fed. I'm just not getting fed. I managed an Arby's for a while. Managed an Arby's for a while, and Cheryl and I um, served people roast beef every day, and just 
By the way, some people get really upset if you make their roast beef sandwich the wrong way. I've had food thrown at me. (laughs) I just want to look at this roast beef, people. I'll make you another one. Calm down. Is your life really that bad? People come in and order and I'd serve what they want. I'd take their money and transaction would take place. That's not what happens in here. Do you hear me? That's not what happens when the body of Christ gathers. There is what Michael Card has called uh, a, a laudable exchange that takes place. It's not for goods and services. It's not consumer to provider. That's not what happens when the body of Christ gathers. We bring something. We bring our brokenness, we bring our fullness, we bring our joy, we bring our sorrows, we, we bring a lot of stuff to the table. On Sunday, but, but mostly what we bring is ourselves because if I read Paul's words correctly, not only am I a partaker of the grace of God, I am a conduit of the grace of God. And what I bring to church on Sunday morning is infinitely, well, I shouldn't say infinitely, but it is equally as important as whatever I get while I am here. Do you understand that, church? Paul says we are partakers of the grace of God because somebody is going to need the grace of God that dwells in you this Sunday morning. Amen? Somebody's going to need that. Somebody's going to need that word fitly spoken. Somebody's going to need that smile. Somebody's going to need that handshake. Somebody's going to need that word. Somebody's going to need you. You. Because the grace of God dwells, lives, breathes, and is exhaled by you. And I always, I always think to myself, I wonder what would happen. You know, I wonder what would happen, Adam, you know, if, if we started praying differently about Sunday morning, just tweak it just a little bit. Like, like I, hope the, I hope the preacher has a good word today because I really need a good word today. What, what if we tweaked that a little and said, God, what can I bring to the church this morning? What can I bring to the community of faith today? God, what do you want to serve up through me today to somebody that's going to be there? God, how can I contribute? Because, you know, I don't want to sit back and just, well, they should have done that, or they could have done that, or I wish they'd done that. I want to be a part of it. to add, not subtract. I don't know. Maybe I'm all wet. What do you think? 
How would it change my attitude? <laughs> really? How would it change us? And while I'm at it, just say, you're all here this morning, so maybe, maybe you know somebody that usually sits around you and they weren't here, and they'll say, what did the pastor preach about this morning? Well, tell them this. He said church isn't the same without you. Yeah, he missed you on the district report that he has to send in at the end of the year, but the church just isn't as full of grace when you're not there. <laughs> right? I mean, if I read what Paul is writing here and what pastors have read and preached their kind, I mean, the church just isn't the same. It's not as full. It's not as rich. It's not as much as it could be without you. I was, uh, like I said, in South Dakota and had a chance to preach the funeral for Sharn Nelson was her name. She had a, a massive stroke and and never recovered. And then it was just 18 months ago that I did the same thing for her husband, Rich, the funeral. And I walked into the church where I used to pastor, and, and you know, you get the greeting, hey, it's good to see you. And one lady walked up to me and she said, she said, I, I really miss you. And then she, she walked that back a little bit. And she says, well, let me tell you what I really miss about you. And I was like, she misses my powerful sermons. She misses my teaching. She, she misses, and she says, you know what I miss? Your smile. She said, I really miss the way you would walk in on Sunday morning and just walk around the room. And you would, you would put your arm around people and, and while we were singing, you would, you would whisper in their ears or you would greet us. And, and she said, your countenance, your... I really miss that. Can I tell you, I really miss you when you're not here. miss you. I think that's part of the reason why uh, winters are so depressing, right? Sun will shine today, that's good. But I really miss you. Paul really missed the people at Philippi. Oh, I long to be with you. I want to be there. I, I miss you. I miss you. Miss you. It's nothing like the grace of you. And I know, church, listen to me. I'm just going to get real this morning. Can I do that? I 
I, I know I talk a lot about reaching the lost. And I, I know I talk a lot about bringing people in. And I know that's bothersome to a few people. Or nerd the verse to that song, Pastor. What about me, Pastor? Well, it is kind of about you because the reason, just listen. Why, why, why do I want more people to come to Faith Wesleyan Church to hear me preach? Because that's a coin toss, man. It might be a good one one Sunday, and the next Sunday you're thinking, when's he going to be done? I know that. I know that. But you know why I want people to come to Faith Wesleyan Church? It's because I want them to know you. I want them to meet real deal, broken, bruised, I've been through it, I've trusted Jesus, I know you can trust him too, let me tell you about Jesus, I want people to meet people like you. So that your influence, your grace, so that your investment in their lives, your grace, so that the way you rub off, not rub people the wrong way, don't read that, but the way you rub off on people. I want that for them. I want that for others. I want them to know you because you know Jesus. And you can help them know Jesus. Amen? You're the key. Verse 9, Paul says, speaking of meeting people, this is one of the people I want people to know. Adam, can you come up here? I want to know all of you, but sometimes there are people in our midst that that, that we know and they've been around and, and we, we kind of know they're cool and they're, they're all that and well, Adam's not one of those. <laughs> but Adam does something pretty cool. And some of you may know it, some of you not. But Adam, got the words written out here so I don't throw you a curveball or something. But uh, last week, we were all set to talk about sanctity of life. And, and you've got brochures in your bulletin from CPC, and, and I don't know how many of you are in tune with the news this week, but something uh, took place in, in this country and in the state of New York that I, I just could not believe. And it, it, wasn't, it wasn't just the law that was passed, like that, that was despicable enough. Right? That was, that was evil enough that you, could, that you could actually kill a baby 
a human right up to the day of its birth. That that'd be, that'd be just fine in, in the state of New York. That bothered me. That, that made the Irish in me come out. But what happened next made me puke. When the assembly in the Senate of New York City stood and cheered and said, yay, raw, we're going to be a culture of kill, I couldn't imagine. And Adam, tell us what you do Monday through Friday at uh, CPC, Crisis Pregnancy Center of Wabash Valley. What, what do you do with them? Well, on, on a normal week, um, we were in the schools talking about creating positive relationships. That's a, a, an aspect of my job that we talk about. Just probably one thing that uh, I really like to do in that position is tell people about how valuable they are. It, um, we are all equally valuable, but they all have value. That, that, um, I can't tell them about Jesus, but I can speak his truth. So that is one thing that I do. And another thing is when I'm in the center, um, we have the opportunity to talk to people who come to you who are broken. Uh, they have some issues going on, some things going on in life, and you have the opportunity to just speak into their lives and just tell them about Jesus and tell them that there is hope and that there is more and that they have value as well. That's awesome, Adam. That's awesome. So you, so what, what brings you particular joy about that? I mean, you've, had, you've told me stories about people you've met and, and led them to Christ. And so what? Um, I think that what really brings me joy when I'm in the center is speaking just into people's lives. But how many opportunities do we get where we can actually talk to people about Christ when they're in a situation where they need him the most. Yeah. And I like to do that, and I like to do that in the schools, but I just can't mention his name, but I just tell him, you know, you are valuable, and there, there is more out there, and you just keep your eyes on your goals and your future. So. And how has that work expanded your view of your community of, of Terre Haute, Vigo County? And um, I think because I see so many more people uh, I think the Crisis Pregnancy Center sees like around 12,000 people a year. So it makes me really think of just, it makes my heart hurt for the community and the brokenness and how we see kids day after day after day who have no hope in their lives. And just this week I was at a school that um, Megan and I were talking about this, a young girl who's 11 years old trying to take her life because she didn't see value in her own life. It's really incredible. So let me shift direction a little bit because some of the people may not know this about you and Megan, um, but uh, you also serve as directors for our youth ministry here at Faith. So you just completed the 30-hour famine. I don't know, right? No, we start Thursday. Start Thursday. So the 30-hour famine is coming up. Tell us a little bit about that and where the funds are going and how we can participate with you in the 30-hour okay. famine. Um, so. Everybody pretty much knows about the 30-hour famine, but those of you who don't, the 30-hour famine is where we start on Thursday. We stop eating. Actually, I shouldn't say we start. We stop eating Thursday, and then Friday night at midnight, we break our fast together. And then 
uh, we partner with you guys. You guys um, come in and support all of our students financially with that. And um, we have the opportunity to think about a lot of things. Our community, we go out and do a community service project on Friday, um, so it gets us involved in the community, but um, there's a lot of people who don't have the opportunities to eat in our community, so it kind of, um, it's a way for us to connect with God, and we all know that in those times of uh, fasting, um, that it, it really allows us to focus, so it gives us that focus, but um, yeah, we need a, a partnership. We have a partnership with you guys. You guys definitely financially give to the students and help out there. Yeah, so how can they, how can they, if, they are, if they've not been contacted by a student, how can they give? You let me know and I will get on, okay? So to see, to see Adam, to see Adam, and they may be new to the church too as well, so Adam Power, you can, you can contact him, see him after church, but um, yeah, and so uh, this year the funds are going to? The Crisis Pregnancy Center. All the funds that the students raise through their 30-hour famine will go to the Crisis Pregnancy Center uh, of the Wabash Valley and uh, will help to make sure that what happened in New York never happens in, in the state of Indiana, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, they've got some good people supporting them. John Ford's a huge supporter of the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and they just want to ensure that they don't have that happen yeah. here, that we don't have those issues. Okay. So how can we pray for you? Um, pray for strength for uh, Megan and I. Pray that we um, don't grow tired during that night. That's a rough night to be up all night. Um, but also pray for our youth group as a whole because we've committed to praying for unity, community, and opportunity. We pray that um, God provides unity, not just in our church, but in all the church in general, that um, we can see Christ's work in that. Um, that he provides the opportunity for our kids to show Christ to other people and that, um, that uh, God can appear in our community through us and use us to uh, influence our community. So you can partner and pray for our kids there too. So keep strengthen, strengthening them in that prayer. Okay. So Pray with me, church. Father, thank you for Adam. Thank you for Megan. Thank you for the grace that, that works through his life. And remind us that as Adam works and serves, we are partakers of your grace as well through the ministry that, that he has, Father. Bless him and fill him with all the grace that he needs, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Now see, yeah, you give it up for Jesus. You see, it's not just Adam. But all over this church, it's grace that people are dying for, gasping for, hoping for. All over this church. And, and then in verse 9, that was a nice segue to this. In verse 9, Paul says, and this is my prayer for you. I'm not going to forget you. I'm not going to forget about you. As you give yourselves away for the cause of Christ, I'm not going to forget you. I'm not. And that's my promise to you. My, my commitment to you. Yeah, I, I, I want to find the lost. I mean, that's the job, right? Jesus said, I came to seek and save the lost. 
That's our job, that's my job, that's us. But I'm not going to forget about you. Pastor Ryan's not going to forget about you. When you need us, we're here. We love you. We're committed to you. And I've got Brenda right now. Uh, I, I'm repurposing Brenda, and she's, she's loving life right now. And she's... <laughs> you can ask her about that later. But one of the things she's working on right now, and, and what will happen is she is, she is creating a, a schedule for me and, and uh, a visitation schedule and, and just making sure that, that we get everybody touched in the church that needs touched. Because you know how a week goes. You get busy and you forget and pretty soon a week turns into a month and a month turns into six months and, and Brenda's going to work on that schedule. So back to this church. If you want me to come see you, if you want Pastor Ryan to come see you, just jot on this card, I want to see PB or I want to see PR, I'd like some, some of their time. And you can drop it in the offering plate on the way, you can leave it in, in the pew right where you're at, I, I don't care, but we'll get it, and, and I promise you, Brenda will schedule. And we'll take care of you. We're gonna look after you. We're gonna love you. Monty and Millie had a conversation with them a few weeks ago and one of the things that I've realized about, about us right now is that we're kind of fellowship starved. And I've given them the task with their body life committee, build the body, right? Because fellowship, fellowship is forming. And I've given them the, the simple task of, of uh, creating once a month fellowship opportunities. No other purpose no other purpose than for us to get together and know each other. Our LBA has, uh, one of the things I determined, we're, we're kind of making decisions and trying to figure out each other, and, and we don't even really know each other. We meet once a month for meetings and, and try to talk about business, but we don't really know each other. So every other month, even numbered months, the LBA here, we, we're just getting together and, and all we do is eat. We have no other business but to get to know each other and to hear one another's hearts. And I think that, church, is so lacking in the church today. Nobody's listening, nobody's hearing each other's hearts. And I want to know your heart. And I want you to know my heart. And I sure want you to hear Pastor Ryan's heart and Allison's heart. And you know Cheryl's heart, it's as big as Texas maybe Alaska. And today, parents, I'm just going to warn you, today she's with your children, so I am not responsible. <laughs> they may or may not have access to a giant bowl of candy wrapped in saran wrap, I don't know. Our board, each one of them, are assigned specifically to pray for a group of people. Every week there is an email that goes out from here to five families or five persons 
that asks you, how can Pastor Bob and our staff pray for you? We are committed to you. We are. It's what we do. We're the body of Christ, partakers and givers of grace. If you're not coming on Wednesday night to the prayer time, you're missing something. It's pretty cool. last thing I want to say here is that the grace of our lives it will linger long after we're gone I sat with Shar's family and I, I talked to them and look in their faces and they're aching and you know that feeling right and I reminded them that the grace of Shar's life doesn't end with her death doesn't the grace of our lives will linger after us I, I, I had the opportunity once again I didn't think I'd ever get to go back there but I got to go to Avon South Dakota and that's, that's like if, you, if you've never been to the middle of nowhere Avon South Dakota is there and there's a little Wesleyan church there nobody meets there anymore they, they closed the church some years ago but but the last time I was there, I got to walk into the church and I got to stand and it's a museum now and, and there's the pulpit and there's the organ and there's the communion table and I, I, I swear I could feel the cloud of witnesses. I could hear, I could hear the congregation singing and I, and I read the history and I knew the history and how many, how many workers for Christ had been called, how many pastors, how many missionaries. The list was long out of this little, 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 little bitty South Dakota town and, and the grace of Avon Wesleyan Church, even, even though it no longer exists, the grace of that church lingers and lingers and carries on and echoes and moves through the halls of eternity. And everything that happens here, everything we do, every word we speak, every thought we think will linger for eternity and it will echo. What happens here matters. Matters. The church at Philippi, we're still reading about them today. They're not there anymore. Long gone. But what happens, we're reading about. It's forming us. It's shaping us. The grace of their lives echoes and lingers today. You see what we do on Sunday morning? is isn't just so you'll feel good when you line up at the buffet. We sang it earlier, right? Broken, hurting, healed, find redemption and grace. Eternity happens here every Sunday between 9.30 and 11 o'clock. Eternity. Heaven and earth crash, intersect.
matters. Same thing at 5.30 when the rise starts. Same thing, it matters. And so this is the question that I want to ask before we leave today. One thing I know for sure, I don't know if Euodia and Syntax ever got that figured out. We're not told. But here's the question of the day. What do you want the grace of your life to be? What do you want the grace of your life to be? That's a great message, Pastor Bob. You said things that I never thought about before. Oh, boy, that was kind of boring. I don't know what you think, but here's the question. What do you want the grace of your life to be? What do we want the grace of Faith Wesleyan Church to be? That is the question. Paul had great words to say. Jesus had great words to say. Jesus died on the cross so that we could be the grace of God as his life is formed in ours. So that God could literally speak through us to a dying world. What do you want that grace to be? What do you want? Is there an attitude that I need to submit to God? What is it? So as we were singing earlier, and I, I talked to Tammy about this, um, this is what I'd like to do. Do you remember how we started the service? When you sat and the worship team sang, I, I want to come full circle, and I'd, I'd like us to all sing together. That, that first song. So worship team, if you, if you could come. This, this is your house, Lord. This is your house. And I, I want you to make it personal, though. Because it's one thing to say, this is your house, Lord. It's one thing to say, this is your house, and think about the building and about what happens here on Sunday. But I want you to make it personal and say, when Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer, you, you understand, right, that in New Testament theology, this is not the sanctuary. This is the sanctuary. This is your house, Lord. My life is your house. What do you want it to be, God? And what do you want your house to say about the grace 
of Jesus through me. So as, as we pray, as we sing, the altar is open. And I don't, I don't know what God's speaking to you. I know what he's saying to me. I'll just be, I'll just be blunt. I heard it. I heard it. He said to me, Pastor Bob, you made a big effort to go to South Dakota for this family. Now go back home and make a big effort for your church. So that's what's happening in my spirit. And I'm going to smile on Sundays. And I'm going to put my arm around you and I'm going to greet you and I'm going to raise the roof. And Pastor Ryan and I are going to love you. What is God doing in your house today? This is your house, Lord. relationships. I I don't know. I'm just going to shut up. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit work. This is your house, Lord.